We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day... When he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. Hey everyone, this is Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. I'm here with my co-host, Anthony Amico. You can follow him at Amixta. Right now you're listening to the Road of His Season Review. This week we'll be looking at the AFC North and looking at the good, the bad, the ugly of what happened in this division. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Anthony, what's up? How's it going, Kyle? Good to talk to you. Uh, pretty excited to talk AFC North. Yeah, uh, my whole family's from Pittsburgh, so it was a rough day yesterday, but uh, a good game and uh, I think uh, one of the more interesting divisions we've got right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is uh, this. I feel like this is the division that is like football embodied. It's just like rough, tough. Um, you know, if you're like a, an old school football guy, I feel like this is the this is the division for you. Yeah, it definitely has that uh, that feel with all the winter games, all the the highs are highs for Pittsburgh and the lows are lows for Cleveland. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Cleveland, uh, lots of lots of bad, lots of bad here. But uh, I think my biggest question is, uh, what what's the firing of Sashi Brown mean for the analytics movement? And should Hugh Jackson have been retained as the head coach? Those are the two kind of storylines we saw this year because there wasn't much else to talk about. Yeah, I I, just, I feel like the the Sashi Brown thing. You can kind of attack from a couple of different angles. Uh, Josh Hermsmeyer made a really good point after the firing, I think, just talking about how, you know, 
Sashi and, and the staff kind of undercut the owner when it came to the AJ McCarron trade, which obviously I think was going to be a terrible move. I think that they knew that. But when that happens, it doesn't really matter what business you're in. You're going to have to make a decision there to, to probably let that guy go just from a, um, you know, credibility of your organization standpoint. So I definitely buy that. But in terms of just like the day to day stuff, I really thought that what he was doing and what that team was doing was heading in the right direction. So I'm definitely sad to see it go. I think that it sets the analytics movement back a little bit for sure. I think that a lot of people were waiting to kind of see how this would play out. But I don't know. I, I still think that there's hope. I, I think that there's still a lot of really smart people in this game. And I just hope that they're the ones that kind of rise to prominence and let, uh, you know, let teams start start mining for value in drafts and, and, you know, making smart moves. Yeah, it's very much got that uh, that Sam Hinkie 76ers, that feel to it where uh, he was the, the face of analytics, and uh, it looked like what he was trying to do was working in the sense that he wanted to accrue top picks and lots of draft capital, and then they canned him, and now it's turning around for them. I think that's maybe what we see with the Browns, but it's been such a history of failure, you never know. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of spin that forward to the decisions that they did make. Like they're keeping Hugh Jackson who like just hasn't produced. I know, I know that we can talk about the team not being that good and, you know, Sashi trying to maybe tank a little bit for them. But I mean, we've seen the numbers. I mean, JJ Zacharyson, uh, a lot of other really smart people have kind of, um, you know, calculated the win probabilities for, for Cleveland using a few different methods and, I mean, there's really no reason that this team should have won zero games. Like, I, you know, two losses, uh, two wins, three wins. I think that's probably something you could maybe think is realistic, but zero wins, you know, including a loss, uh, against your family Steelers with, with all the backups in. Like, that's, that's embarrassing. And I feel like he's not really getting the most out of the young players that they have. Um, you know, he has a staff that isn't really doing anything on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Goodness gracious, Greg Williams has, uh, you know, the safeties. Jabril Pepper's like playing from the first row of the stands on defense. Like it's, it's, it's really embarrassing. I kind of think what they're doing there. So I'm hoping that they kind of force him to at least hire an OC and maybe that gets them scoring a few more points. But from a coaching perspective, the, the outlook is definitely. Yeah. And the way he's handled the quarterback situation too, where like, I, I think, you know, Deshaun Kaiser probably wasn't going to pan out no matter what. He just doesn't look very good. But the way he, he benched him and then started him and then looked for other other options at quarterback so quickly and was so quick to, to bench, like, where else was he going to go with it? And then just, like, that that doesn't seem like any way for for a head coach to handle a quarterback situation. And it seemed it seemed like Kaiser was set up for failure even if he wasn't going to succeed. So I think, I think uh, with that being said, uh, let's get into the fantasy. What do we do with any of these these players? Because right now the uh, I, I'd imagine we'll see a quarterback either at one, if not at four, or uh, potentially Kirk Cousins signing. But uh, supposedly we'll be getting new quarterback talent. What does that mean for you know Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, and the rest? I mean, it it obviously seems like they're going to draft a quarterback at one. I don't think they're going to wait till four. We'll see, kind of. Who this regime decides to bring in, I, I know we've heard a lot about Josh Allen, but I definitely think that the younger guys, Darnold, Rosen, those guys are in play. I mean, the, the, Cleveland controls the draft right now. We have to kind of just see what they do. Uh, but I'm definitely buying the pass catchers. I mean, Josh Gordon is phenomenal. I think we'd all agree that when he's playing and he's right, he's a top 
I don't know, eight guy in the league. I mean, he's pretty exceptional. Uh, I'm still, I still think that Corey Coleman is a good talent. Um, so I'm probably buying these guys. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I definitely, uh, Corey Coleman a little more tentative because his career has been starting off pretty slow. And Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon's just, like you said, when he's, he's there, I can't agree more. Top, top eight, top seven, six guy. He's, he's up there with the best of them. And we saw as soon as he came back, it was like he almost didn't miss a beat. He's getting over 100 air yards every game so far. Uh, Josh Gordon's a guy all over. Corey Coleman, I still think because people value him so little, it's a buy, but a bit more tentative. And uh, David Njoku, I think, is another guy. If they get, you know, if they get the quarterback situation right, could uh, could see a big boom in his production early in his career, which is pretty big for tight ends. I think I think with that we can wrap Cleveland, move on to Cincinnati. Another team had a, a down year, not as bad as Cleveland, but uh, I think one of the questions is: Is Andy Dalton still this team's future? Because we've seen they've been stagnant. Maybe they haven't been bad, just they haven't they haven't gotten the playoff win. It just uh, they haven't moved anywhere in a few years. So is, is Andy Dalton still the quarterback of this team? I mean, if they have to make that decision soon, they certainly can get out of his contract really any time over the next few years if they cut him in this offseason. They'd only eat $2.4 million in dead cap money. They'd, you know, save uh, roughly like $46 million, uh, off the cap over the next three years. So I think that's something they'd have to consider. Um, I would have thought that that would be a lot more realistic if they didn't bring back Marvin Lewis. I kind of think that uh, the team bringing Lewis back kind of signals that the Bengals are just willing to be good. They don't necessarily want to be great. Uh, they don't, you know, they want to be in that eight to ten win range every year. Um, you know, they want to compete for a playoff spot, but maybe never compete for a title. And that's kind of what Andy Dalton is. So uh, I think he's probably there to stay. Yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of teams in the NFL that once they'll, they'll lock up an all right quarterback. I think we're seeing it in the division with Joe Flacco. Lock up a good enough quarterback who'll win you some games and be content, like you said, just vying for that playoff spot, maybe never even getting that win. This, especially bring back Marvin Lewis, says to me, too, that this is one of those teams. Uh, lots of young talent on this team, though, at least in terms of offense. Joe Mixon, up and down, rookie season, and then John Ross more down on the rookie season. What do you make of those? Because I think Joe Mixon, uh, Joe Mixon, I think I'm, I'm definitely in on. He uh, was given the volume, uh, was given the receiving work, definitely, even with... Uh, with Giovanni Bernard in the backfield, he's still got some receiving work, so I think volume was there, and uh, hopefully efficiency goes up. John Ross, though, that's uh, a lot tougher to suss out. What do you make of John Ross and Joe Mixon? Yeah, I'll start with Ross, just because I think that the situation is mind-boggling. I, I certainly wasn't a, a, a John Ross fan. Um, I was definitely down on him. I know Ben Gretsch was really high on him. But I don't even think it really matters what you thought about John Ross. Like, there was just no real reason for him to not play. I mean, you look at some of the guys that played over him. We're talking about, you know, Alex Erickson, um, you know, like players on this depth chart that really don't deserve to be playing over, you know, a top 10 pick at the position, especially one that we know at least offers speed. Uh, they did put him on the, the IR, I kind of feel like maybe that was a move to save face a little bit because certainly people were wondering, you know, where is this guy? Um, I'm concerned, but certainly at, this seems like a, a buying window. This is where those guys start to lose value. I kind of feel like he was a late first-round pick to begin with, so he probably doesn't have the same uh, insulation that some of these earlier guys did. Like Joe Mixon 
has a lot of value insulation because he was like a top four or five rookie pick. But I think once you get that late first, those guys kind of lose value a little more quickly. Uh, so I, I'd probably be buying Ross right now if I had a chance. Um, Mixon, I think you make a good point in terms of the volume. I'm definitely always going to be willing to buy volume. I just don't really think he's that great. And I just, I don't think that he's ever going to be cheap enough for me to invest. Like I, I think that Mixon, like I said, top five rookie pick, that value is going to be maintained. Um, in redraft, I think he's still going to go in the first like three rounds, maybe first four rounds, just because people think he's good and think he's a talent. So I just don't think you're really going to get the discount. Uh, but when you go, like, when you look at the production, you know, he averaged Many less yards per carry than uh, uh, Giovanni Bernard did. His racer in the passing game was abhorrent. It was less than minus 40, which is pretty terrible. Uh, granted, you know, racer is not like going to be super friendly to running backs, but like Bernard's was still yeah, racer being uh, around the, uh, negative 12. The conversion rate of air yards to yards for uh, running backs right. who aren't going downfield, getting past like deep pass catches. Not a lot of air yards there, but minus 40. That it doesn't matter what position you play. That's yeah, not good. Exactly. So like, I'm just not sold. I'm not, I'm like just not really sold. And to be honest, like, I just don't really want to root for him. So, <laughs> so like, I'm just not gonna. I'm just gonna stay away. Yeah, I can. I can see that. I think if you're buying here, you either love the talent already, or you're just in on the volume. He had six games over 15 carries, two games of over 20, and he had uh, three targets or more in nine games. So I think volume's there. But like you said, the the guys who are top five picks, people. Will people will wait out on them for years, whereas someone who was a uh, like a, a late first round pick in dynasty, uh, like John Ross, people will drop that very quickly. So I think John Ross, big buy, only because he's going to be super cheap. People might not want anything to do with that. And uh, if you're buying Joe Mixon, you're buying because you believe the talent is good enough to match the volume he's getting. And I think lastly of the talent position on this team, uh, with Andy Dalton looking in question now, I think if they don't. If they don't, if they don't get success next year, if they don't get that first playoff win, I think we might see the end of Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis. What are you doing with AJ Green? Is he still, is he still that top five guy for wide receivers and redraft, and maybe pretty similar in dynasty, or what do you think? I don't know if he's top five, but he's definitely like second tier for me. Like after that, after that, like Odell, Antonio Brown, there's probably like. I don't know, six or seven guys that I think I would take, and Green's probably in that tier. I mean, when he's on the field, he's getting volume, um, you know, 0.74 Whopper rating. That's, uh, again, Josh Hermsmeyer's metric. Uh, volume, basically combining uh, target share and air yards. And, you know, and A.J. Green is, is still getting a boatload of them when he's on the field, 143 targets last year. So, I mean, I think that he is... Still kind of firmly in that upper range, even if he's not truly elite. Uh, in Dynasty, the window, I think, is starting to close just because the age is getting up there. Um, but that might that might make him a buy. I mean, if you can get him for one of these younger guys that people like, uh, I think that that's probably maybe something that you that you do. I mean, I, I traded for him last year. I, I gave up... Uh, I gave up uh, another, you know, upper level wide receiver and a first round pick, but I thought, I thought the upgrade to EJ Green was worth it, so I, I think I'd still be in on him. Yeah, I think uh, he, he's he's one of these players that uh, I don't think, you know, he's obviously not Antonio Brown, so as he gets older, I don't think we'll see him age as well as Antonio Brown, who could Antonio Brown might just play forever. He he might he might be getting fifteen hundred yards at the age of forty. He's he's so good. I don't think AJ Green's quite there, so I agree. He's in. In that tier two, whereas a few years ago he was he was up there in tier one, but uh, still I agree. If uh, someone sees the age and is 
is an age zealot and just uh, lets that controller dynasty value, he could he could definitely be a buy. We'll be right back covering the Ravens and the Steelers. But first, let me tell you that the season might be over, but it's a fantastic time to sign up for the Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, tools, and best of all, it supports this podcast. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. So back with the Ravens. Is is Joe Flacco the problem with this team? Is is are his numbers what makes this team makes this offense so so drastically tough to watch, or is it weapons? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Flacco, it's like a yes or yes and no answer, I feel like, because, I mean, Flacco's not that good. Um, I certainly am not a, a Joe Flacco truther by any means, but I don't, I don't, the rest of the team really isn't that great either, so I, I really have a hard time kind of just pinning on Flacco. I, I don't love their scheme. I don't love the, the skill position players. I mean, Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin are, are still decent, but their, you know, their time has kind of come and gone. Um, the younger guys have really given them nothing, and Rashad Perriman looks like a complete bust. So, that the entire offense is is bad. I think that if you surrounded Flacco with some better weapons, he could make them, you know, he could make them fantasy viable. The passing volume has at least been there over the last few years. So, I uh, I'm certainly not a, a Flacco fan. You know, career yards per attempt six point seven six. Really nothing to write home about. Only has one four thousand yard season. Actually. Yeah, one 4,000-yard season, which seems impossible in, like, the current state of football. So, like, that all speaks for itself, but he's, he's not the only problem here. Definitely not the only problem. Getting uh, Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, who are who are good, not great in their prime, and now they're much past their prime, uh, That's that definitely doesn't help him. But I think for me, like... I think the uh, the dichotomy here is that we've got Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco, who we both we you know talk about in a similar way that like are, are this is this a problem? Will they be will they be off the team next year? And I think we've got Joe Flacco. He's got 3.8 touchdown percent for his uh, his career, 6.4 adjusted yards per attempt, and uh, 61.7 career completion percentage. Andy Dalton beats all of those, some by a significant margin. So I think if, if you're out on Andy Dalton, you can't you can't be a Joe Flacco defender, and I think Joe Flacco is like maybe significantly worse. But uh, neither of them are that great. I think Joe Flacco worse, but uh, a lot of things hold this team back. I agree. The weapons aren't great. They haven't had they didn't have solid run game until Alex Collins, and they haven't had a great run game for the past few years. So this is the first time they got a good run game, and they haven't had great receivers ever really. So probably some of both. Yeah, I'm down. I'm always down for both. And uh, that brings us to Alex Collins. Is he the real deal? That was a uh, really came on hot. Do you think that's sustainable, or do you think we'll see uh, maybe he'll come back down to earth like we saw? We see these players come in the second half of seasons and tear it up all the time. We saw it with like C.J. Anderson, Thomas Rawls, Jeremy Hill. These guys who come in. I think a lot of it could be due to just having fresh legs, not really playing for eight games and then getting defenses that have already lost players to injury is, uh, I think, maybe underrated and what makes these players come on so hot in the second half. Do you think we see that again next year, or is uh, is he coming back down to earth? I'm, I'm like, cautiously optimistic. I mean, the thing with Alex Collins is that he was just so much more efficient than everyone else. Like, it's, it's really phenomenal. Like, on the most work, um, you know, by far in their own game, 4.6 yards per carry, uh, you know, Buck Allen 3.9, Danny Woodhead 4 flat, uh, like Terrence West 3.5, like that's 
really impressive. Uh, and then, you know, as a receiver, he was fine. You know, like uh, eight yards per reception, caught 23 or 36 uh, targets. I don't think that he's necessarily like the preferred option there. I do think that ultimately they'd like to go to, uh, you know, a, a Danny Woodhead or um, the guy that just drafted. Why that name is escaping me now? That uh, Ken Thixon, who they just drafted, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Like that's those guys. I think are still going to be kind of in the mix on third down, but on first down, sure. I mean, Alex Collins was a workhorse in college. Uh, 63% of the rushing yards his final year at Arkansas. Uh, he's 217 pounds, so I think that he definitely fits like the profile of those uh, profile one backs that Sean Siegel usually talks about, your first and second down uh, workhorses. I think that he can definitely be that guy going forward. Yeah, and I think they uh, they have the receiving backs if they want to stick with him. They've got uh, Kenneth Dixon, who was a uh, great receiver in college. Danny Woodhead, you know, one of the best receiving backs in the league right now if he's healthy. And then even Buck Allen was a good receiver. I think if they can uh, use him, like you said, as that profile one back as a as a purely for rushing or more more so for rushing that they they could have the backfield composition to make it work i agree cautiously optimistic because we we do see these players coming in the second half a lot but uh like you said he was so much better than the rest of this team and on a team that you really don't have to try too hard to defend joe flacco so you can commit you can put uh extra players in the box and try and stop alex collins if you see that he's been tearing it up so all, all things considered i agree cautiously optimistic Moving on to Pittsburgh, I think this is one of the, the clearest teams that we've got. I think it's pretty stationary in that we don't have big quarterback controversies. We don't have a, a new running back. We're not sure if they're good or not. So uh, does this team have the number one wide receiver, the number one running back in redraft and even in dynasty? Uh, number one wide receiver in redraft for sure. Antonio Brown is just, uh, I mean, <laughs> I almost just said he's the GOAT, but like that almost could be interpreted like, realistically like he's so good he's, i think like um, it's jerry rice because he played till he was 40 at a high that's i mean that's like unbelievable like, i don't think that'll ever happen again but, like if right. you take out that the greatest outlier of all time if you take out that goat then it might be antonio brown he's he's second of all time he's soaked it's, yeah <laughs> we're gonna have to start uh proliferating that term um but yeah i mean he's he's the man so i in redraft for sure. Uh, Lev Bell, I'm like kind of down on just because, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Like, I'm not sure exactly if he's going to be on the Steelers or not. And I'm not positive that if he goes to another team, that that team will use him in the same way. Uh, certainly Bell has been a really good runner, but I think so much of his value, uh, derives from his usage in the passing game, 107 targets this past season. I think that's really where the money is. And if he's not going to be getting those in Pittsburgh, uh, I'm not really positive that he's going to, that the value will maintain the same. So I still an elite back, but I'm not, I'm not positive right now that he's my RB one. Yeah. I think, uh, I'll say, I'll say I still have him as, as RB one. I think if he leaves Pittsburgh though, that's, I, I think he'll stay in Pittsburgh. I think, you know, we don't, we don't see these superstar level players move teams in their prime very often at all. So I think just based on that, I think he'll come back and, like you said, with the the targets he's getting at Pittsburgh are second to none. He's fifth right now in uh, Whopper. Like you said, that's a combination of target share and air yards. And the guys he's behind are are uh, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley. He's behind, so he's behind guys who like McCaffrey and Kamara specialize. They're both great runners, but specialize in getting targets. The only guy who's getting as many carries as Le'Veon Bell with the same whopper is uh, Todd Gurley. So he's, in terms of volume, he is 
maybe the best running back in the league right now. So I think if if he were to leave, I agree. I think that downgrades him from my RB1. But uh, I agree that the Pittsburgh is the, the safety and security of knowing we know exactly what he is, and that's amazing, is really important. So if he leaves, I, I agree. Maybe downgrade him from RB1. But right now, he's still one for me. We've also got uh, Big Ben, another little bit of a quarterback controversy. There were rumors of his retirement throughout the year, but uh, he did say after the game that he'll be staying even though he is locking himself in for next year, are you worried about the next three to four years for Dynasty maybe changing our outlook on Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, even Juju Smith-Schuster? Oh, it's a huge concern for me. I mean, it's the one reason why I'm still not completely regretting trading Juju in Dynasty. Um, like, I just think that once you lose the quarterback, the whole thing kind of goes to garbage. And, like, there are a lot of weapons here. You know, if they bring Le'Veon Bell back, it's going to be on a long contract, so he's going to be there for a while. They have Antonio Brown under contract. Martavis Bryant is still there. Juju's there. Like, there's a lot of weapons. And, you know, if the quarterback play goes from elite, sub-elite to, like, average or probably below average, considering that, you know, finding one is pretty hard, you know, now we're talking about a pie that's not nearly as strong and it's being split multiple ways. Like, those guys would interest me. So I think if I could get someone to buy high right now on Juju, um, I would, I would probably be doing that. And I, and I think he's really good. And I think that Juju is awesome. He, Juju might be my favorite player in football right now. Like he's just, yeah, he's played like Juju, like all the stuff, like on Twitter and YouTube, like he's the man, but like, I just think in dynasty, he's an asset that you oh, yeah, can get Juju's away from. a guy from. like, I agree. Like it's, it's hard for anyone to not say he's their favorite player, but, uh, he's 21 right now. Turned, turned 21 in the, uh, in the middle of the season, put up 917 yards, seven touchdowns. I think, that like, I don't want to say he's only 21. I don't want to say that's his ceiling right now. But even even with this offense being strong, the pie isn't big enough to make him uh, like a really elite receiver right now. And maybe for a long time with Antonio Brown. And then you're looking at Ben maybe not being there after a few years. So so I agree. Juju's a big sell for me just because people see that he's 21 and he dropped 900 yards and seven touchdowns and be all in on that. And I think he's really good. But he might be a player who is better for the Pittsburgh Steelers than he is for your dynasty team. Yeah, and I think, like, just to kind of expand on that, like, what happened to Pittsburgh last year with Martavis being suspended and the team not really having a second receiver, like, that really, I think, they, like, fell into the Lev Bell thing. Like, all of a sudden, Bell was, like, their wide receiver, too, and I think they rightfully, you know, really liked that. So once Martavis came back and they drafted Juju, they were like, well, we still want to use Lev Bell heavy in the pass game. Well, now you have, you know, Juju and Martavis occupying, like, that wide receiver 2-3 role. Like, that's, you know, three years ago when Martavis, like, broke out, we were like, all right, great. Like, they have just Daniel Brown and just Martavis Bryant. You know, they'll throw it to Lev Bell a little bit, but not for 100 targets, you know. And now it's like, well, AB's got to get it, like, his 180-plus. Lev's going to get 100. That's 280 targets right there. Like, how many more reasonably do you expect to go between the rest of the team? And then when you talk about... I mean, Martavis... I mean, Martavis kind of disappeared a little bit this year, but he still made some plays. I mean, even in that game yesterday, he had, he had that nice touchdown at the end. He had uh, the, the long catch towards the end of the game that, you know, set up the, the last touchdown. Like, he can still play. So I think that he's kind of still in this team's plans that they can kind of get him to buy in and, you know, want to be there. So it's like, how do you really, like you said, like even if, even with Ben there, how do you trust, 
you know, kind of the, the secondary pieces in the offense. It's just really hard uh, to break. You, how, how concerned are you with Le'Veon Bell leaving? Do you, do you see that as realistic? Because, like I said, I don't really see that as being very likely. Do you see that as realistic? And if he leaves, how how much are you paying this guy? Because he's, right now, he is the most attempts in the NFL with the third most targets. That's, that's amazing for someone to lead or nearly lead in both those categories, to put that kind of work on a single player and then have them be highly efficient in doing that. Uh do you think he comes back, and how much money are you give him this guy? Well, that's why I don't think he's going to be back, because he still thinks that he's like, you know, a $12 million, $14 million a year player, and I just don't think Pittsburgh's going to do that. Like, he said that he was going to, like, retire or hold out if they franchise tag him. Well, the franchise tag is $14.4 million. So, like, if that money's not good, and it's really just about, like, getting some guaranteed money, I'm just not really sure that... A smart team, like I think Pittsburgh is reasonably smart. Like I don't think that a team is going to be willing to do that. So I could definitely see him leave because uh, there's going to be a team out there with cash space that wants to make a move, that wants to make their offense better, that wants like the immediate reward that I think will pay him like sixty million over five years or something, but guarantee thirty, like something that would that would lead him away that Pittsburgh just wouldn't do, or honestly financially probably can't do so I, that, that's kind of why i think he, yeah, might he said before that he wants to get paid like the top running back and a top receiver which like that's i like you know it's a bit of hyperbole but in some sense he is like you said he can play a team's second wide receiver role fairly well and i agree if there's if there's any chance of it of him leaving that uh, it'll be a team with lots of money willing to throw it at him for the immediate reward and maybe even the good pr of getting a, a talent like Le'Veon bell uh what do you what do you see from this division going forward as a whole I mean, it's Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh all the way. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, more Pittsburgh. Like, I mean, they're the class. They have the best quarterback by far. They're, they're organized. You know, I mean, Cleveland is going to, I feel like, even if they take a step forward because of the stuff that Sasha did, they're going to take those steps right back because they still have Hugh Jackson and Dorsey and just nonsense. You know, we talked about the quarterback situation in Cincy and Baltimore kind of holding them back. I think that the Ravens being able to play elite defense is going to fold eventually. Um, so I mean, it's just, it's going to be a down division. I think I don't really see this team being, uh, this division being like multiple teams in the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, I think can they get over the Patriots home though? Because I think, I don't, I don't think they'll, there's nothing this team can do to really be better than them. But, uh, I'd say in, in one game sample, anything could happen, but, uh, will they ever actually be able to get over that hump or is it just waiting out a Tom Brady retirement to become the cream of the crop in the AFC? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that they'll, they'll beat the Patriots as long as Brady and Belichick are there. But as we've kind of seen in the media, like maybe that, maybe as soon as next year, that window kind of opens up for yeah, them. Yeah, it's possible. And any, any, like I said, any, any game is a small sample. So all they have to do is get to the Patriots one time, and maybe they beat them. But I, I still think this might be a team that's stuck as the second best in the AFC for a while. Definitely. And you know, whatever. Granted, we said we, we felt that about the Colts. I feel like for a decade with Peyton Manning there, and then. You know, then he beat them, and he won the whole yeah. thing. So uh, Steelers could certainly do the same thing. I think that's going to do it for our AFC North season recap episode. Uh, I'm Kyle Dvorak. Check me out on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. My co-host today was Anthony Amico. Follow him on Twitter at Amiksta. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the AFC North Season Recap episode. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing.
subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, the moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.